Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome once again to our Wednesday night uh, Bible study. Uh, as we've done the last few weeks, we're making our way through the book of Romans. We're still early uh, in the first chapter, and we've made it to verse 16. And the title of our lesson is, I Am Not Ashamed. Let's read our verse. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now I want to begin the study tonight by looking at the difference between shame and being ashamed. Um, we all know what ashamed is. It's a, it's a feeling that we feel. Uh, if we were to open the dictionary and look up the, the definition of ashamed, you would see things like embarrassed or feeling guilt because of something you've done or, or maybe a characteristic that you have or, or maybe it's a reluctance to do something because of fear of embarrassment or, or humiliation. But if we're honest, we don't really need a, a dictionary to define that word. I think we all know very well what it means uh, to be ashamed. We've, we've probably all felt it at one point in our life. And if we're honest, uh, we, it's a feeling that we try to avoid um, at all costs. Now, shame, on the other hand, is a, we're looking at the verb shame, which means to make someone feel ashamed. For example, I tried to shame him uh, into doing something like giving away some money or whatever the case may be. Now, here's what I want you to see, that being shamed is something that others do to you. In other words, it's, a, it's an influence coming from the outside. Being ashamed is something that you do or you feel within yourself. In other words, it's something that we have to allow or we have to feel from within ourselves. Now, what I want you to see is the connection between the two. You see, people try to shame you to try and make you feel ashamed. Now, why would they do that? Well, they're doing it in order to try and control what you do or what you say. By the way, the Bible isn't interested in shaming people at all. In 1 Corinthians 4.14, Paul says this, I don't write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. See, the Bible's not interested in shaming because shaming is a way to get people to do what you want, but it doesn't change who they are on the inside. Um, the Bible's not interested in just changing your behavior. It wants to change who you are. So it's not interested in shaming you uh, into, into good behavior. Now, here's what I want you to see about the gospel. The gospel does two things. It brings out shaming behavior and those who will not believe it, but it gives freedom from shaming behavior to those who, uh, uh, or it gives freedom from being ashamed to those who do believe it. Now let me let me show you this. Let's go back to Paul. So Paul says, "I'm not ashamed." Now, if you think that when he says, "I'm not ashamed," that 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 he's somehow dealing with an absence of shame in his life, you would be a hundred percent mistaken. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Let's go back to Paul's mission statement. We brought this up uh, last week in our lesson, A Purposeful Life. Paul says, My mission or my purpose is to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. So here's Paul. He, he, he says, I'm, I'm obligated to share the gospel, I think, in Romans 1.14. But did the world want to hear what he had to say? No. No, at least very few did, but the most did not. And how did they respond to that message? Well, in that day and time, they responded not only with shaming words, but they responded with outright violence. 
In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul gives uh, some lists of some of the ways that people have tried to control him, to shut him up. He says this, I've been put in prison. I've been beaten uh, countless times. Five times, he says, I received 39 uh, lashes. In the Jewish religion, that was the most you could give to a person, not, not 40, uh, but 39. He said, they beat me that way five different times. He says, three times I was beaten with these cane rods, and one time I was uh, literally stoned and left for dead. So believing the gospel and preaching the gospel constantly put Paul at risk of being shamed. So before we can see that Paul says, I'm not ashamed, we've also got to see that the gospel is the basis of him being shamed. Um, see, Paul knew both of these. He knew, he knew what it was to have people try to shame him, but he also knew what it was to fight off feelings of being ashamed. He knew both of these just as Jesus did. Think about Jesus, for example. He's abandoned by his friends. He's falsely accused of blasphemy. He's stripped naked. He's beaten. He's tortured. He's spit on. He's mocked. You who saved others, uh, why don't you save yourself? But yet in Hebrews 12, 2, it says this, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Now, I absolutely love that phrase, despised the shame. You see, here's all these people trying to, to, to make him abandon his mission, to, to shut him up, to, to make him say that he's not the king of kings, to do all these things. And he literally says, shame, I will not let you control me. I will not let you rule over me. He despised uh, the shame. Now, here's what I need you to see tonight. If you and I believe the gospel, and you and I will share the true gospel, we are going to be shamed by others. It happened to Jesus, it happened to Paul, and it's going to happen to any believer who dares to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But yet, it didn't stop Jesus. He wasn't ashamed. It didn't stop Paul. He says, I'm not ashamed. They were endure, able to endure being shamed from the outside, but yet they were never ashamed within themselves. Now, here's the question. How did they do that? When people are trying to shame them and make them ashamed, how were they able to say, no, I'm not going to be ashamed? Well, let's go back and look at Jesus for just a minute. Back to that same verse, Hebrews 12, 2. It says this, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. You see, shame stripped away every earthly support that Jesus had. He's abandoned by his friends. That's shameful. He's, his reputation is slandered. He's accused of being a blasphemer. That's, that's shameful. He's shamed by his nakedness. He's shamed by his torture. He's, I mean, he's shamed from all these outside sources, yet he's never ashamed of his heavenly Father. Why? Because, see, he knows that all that other stuff is just temporary, that God is his salvation, that God is his rescue, that God is the only one who has the power to raise him uh, from the dead and give him glory at his right hand uh, forevermore. So you see, Jesus didn't set his heart on the present. He didn't set his heart on the supports of the presence. He set his heart on the joy of the future. And that allowed him to despise the shame. Let's look at Paul. 
Paul says this in our verse today, Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed. In spite of all these Greeks who mock me uh, about uh, this message of the gospel is foolish, it's moronic, it's absurd. Um, in spite of all the believing Jews who deride me and tell me I'm preaching a false Messiah, in spite of all of this coming from the outside, he said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now why? Well, he says, because it is the power of God unto salvation. You see, Paul realized that all of that stuff fell away when it came to the gospel because it was the only message that had the power to rescue lost sinners. See, and that included himself, that this gospel was the only source of his rescue. It implores us to put our faith in a God who has the power to, to, to raise Paul from the dead and give him glory in heaven just like uh, Jesus. Now, here's the question. Jesus did it. Paul did it. Well, how do we do it? When we're trying to be shamed, when people are trying to shame us from the outside, trying to shut us up, to control us, to, to put us under their thumb, make us act and behave a certain way according to culture, how do we overcome those feelings of being ashamed of the gospel? Well, let me tell you what we don't do. We don't do it by altering the gospel to make it less offensive or to make it more popular. We do it by remembering that in the end, the gospel message is the only one that will be left standing. It is the only one that will be vindicated uh, by the God of this universe. You see, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and all the other isms, they don't have a solution to the problem of sin. They don't have a savior who can solve the problem of a, of a separation from a, from a holy God. Only one message saves sinners, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That alone, when all, everything else is burned up, when everything else is forgotten, that message alone will be triumphant. And that is the message that you and I have. You see, I think Jesus and Paul and the Holy Spirit through the inspired scriptures are saying to us, listen, you may suffer, yes. You may be misunderstood and ridiculed, yes. You may be shamed, yes. But don't ever be ashamed. See, that's, in, that's up to you. You can't control what's coming from the outside. But don't ever let yourself be ashamed of the Father and of Jesus and of His gospel. Because as I said, in the end, there's only one message that's going to be left standing, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, a couple things before I close here. I want to talk a little bit about sharing the gospel. And the first thing I want to do is talk about sharing the gospel with others. I already mentioned this. In Paul's day, the Greeks, uh, who were non-Jews, that's what he means by that, they saw the gospel message as foolishness. Uh, we said a few weeks ago that that word in the Greek means moronic, absurd. I mean, just absolutely stupid. There's this great story in Acts 17 where Paul is in Athens, Greece. Uh, he's, he's there for a, a little while. He's waiting on some friends to join him before they uh, continue on their missionary journey. And the Bible says that as he's in that city, his spirit was provoked within him. I mean, he literally looked around and he saw the temple of Zeus. He saw the uh, temple of Athena and all these idols, and he just he couldn't take it anymore. So he just goes out in the marketplace and he starts preaching the gospel. 
And some philosophers heard him and they took him up on a place called Mars Hill where all these philosophers sat around all day and they just, they just talked about philosophy and ideas and all these things. And they said, well, hey, tell us what you got to say. And so Paul preaches the gospel and they listen to him. And right near the end, in Acts 17.32, he, he says, he talks about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. And it says this, when they heard about that or when they heard the resurrection of the dead, they began to mock him. You see, that was the basis for their shaming. They, they didn't believe what he said. Now, in the past, this was very normal. People mocked you or they shamed you for sharing the gospel because they didn't believe it was true. But see, that's all changed in our, in our culture. Now, they shame you for claiming that you have the only truth. In other words, what they accuse you of is being intolerant. You know, how do you know you have the truth? How can you say that your truth is any better than, than my truth? We, we see this all the time, this idea that we're supposed to, everybody's got the same truth. Listen, to that we say this, it is the most loving thing in the world to tell the truth about the way of salvation. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12 said this, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name among heaven, uh, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, if I truly believe that, if I truly believe that, that Jesus is the only way, then it would be unloving for me not to share the gospel. See, love should compel us to tell others the truth. And that is the gospel of Christ alone is the power of God unto salvation. Several years ago, I, I ran across a, a video on YouTube uh, by a man by the name of Penn Gillette. I'm not sure if you know who he is. He's part of a, a magic slash comedy uh, duo called Penn and Teller. And uh, the guy that you see on your screen right there is, is, by, is named Penn Gillette. Now, one thing you have to know about him is that he is a, as an atheist doesn't believe in God. He, he'll tell anybody that. Um, yet, he's also a very honest guy. And he posted this video, and it's called A Gift of a Bible. And uh, if you want to go out there to YouTube, you can just do a quick search on that uh, for A Gift of a Bible. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. In the video, uh, he was talking about a man who came up to him after a show and gave him a Gideon Bible. And uh, it's about a 10-minute video, but I just wanted to read you one excerpt of what he said. He said this, If you believe that there is a heaven or hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would be socially awkward. Now listen to what he says. How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to actually believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that. I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, there comes a certain point where I just have to tackle you. And this is far more important than that. Let me tell you, he is exactly right. Let me back up to that. He's exactly right. If we really honestly believe that without Jesus, people are going to hell, how can we not? share the gospel with them. That would be the most unloving thing 
that we could possibly do. So let's not be ashamed and let's share the gospel with our friends, with our co-workers, with our family, whoever the Lord brings into our sphere of, of influence. One more thing. I said I want to talk about sharing the gospel. I talked a little bit about sharing the gospel with others. Let's talk about sharing the gospel with yourself. You see, it's probably most people who are listening to this study here tonight are more than likely already believers. You've already been, been saved. So with that in mind, I want to ask you a question. Should this verse still be important for my salvation or for your salvation, even if you're already saved? Well, let me tell you, the answer to that is an emphatic yes. Let me show you something. I want to remind you again that Paul is writing to Christians, right? We saw this in our earlier studies, verses 7 to 8. To all those in Rome, this is who he's writing to. Love by God, called to be saints. Your faith is proclaimed. So he's talking to born-again, sold-out, full-fledged, true believers. Now, watch what he says in, in Romans 1.15. He said this, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now here's my question. Why would Paul want to preach the gospel to people who are already saved? Why would Paul want to preach the gospel to people who are already saved? Well, I promise not to do this very often, but I want to throw in a little bit of Greek here. In Greek, the tense of the verb believe signifies an ongoing action. It doesn't make a lot of sense in English, which is why we kind of translate it the way we do, but if you look, actually look at the Greek, he says the gospel is the power of God uh, to, for salvation to everyone who is believing. In other words, it's an ongoing thing. You see, Paul wants to preach to believers because he understands how the important the gospel is, not just to the point we got saved, but even to our, own, our ongoing belief. You see, the gospel is not a one-time deal. You see, it was, is, and will be the power of salvation. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean it was. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved. That is a, that, that's in the past. That's, that's already happened. The same Bible also says that we are being saved, 1 Corinthians 15, 2, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you unless you believed in vain. So we have been saved, we are being saved, and then Romans 5, 9 says we will be saved. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You see, as believers, we should never ever think that the gospel is just the basics and we've gone beyond that. No, we should continually go back to it every day, reminding ourselves that belief in that gospel is what's going to bring us to salvation. I say this, or I've said it in the past, and I say it again. You should preach the gospel to yourself every single day. If you don't, you'll find yourself falling over into that works mentality, thinking I've got to earn it, I've got to be good, I've got to be better. We should get up every day and go back and wrap our arms around the gospel as a reminder uh, that that and that alone, faith in Christ, is the basis of our salvation. So the gospel is the power of our salvation, and it's the power of salvation for our relatives, our co-workers, our friends, our, our, you name it. It's the only message that has the power to save. So please, do not be ashamed.
of the gospel. Whatever it costs, you stand in it. You hold fast to it. You believe it. You feed on it. You savor it. You count it more valuable, more precious than anything else in your life. As the scripture says in Romans 10 11, because anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Let's pray. Father, as always, we thank you for your word. And Father, I just pray for those that are listening uh, to this right now. I just pray for a boldness from the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. Um, I, I just believe that you've put every single one of us in situations. You've put us uh, in contact, in relationships with other people for a reason. God, help us not to be ashamed. Help us to look beyond the, 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 the possibility of embarrassment or, or even to look beyond the, the, the certainty of rejection and look beyond to understand that in the end, only the gospel is going to be vindicated. Only the gospel will be the message that's still standing. Help us to understand that, to savor it, to hold on to it, and share that with our friends and family and anyone else. Uh, that you deem to put into our uh, sphere of influence. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all you do. And, I, and I, as I always say, thank you for this wonderful word of Romans. In Jesus' name, amen.